WDBM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? And that last play by the Giants totally gave the rest. This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS game. And still and always will be hockey time. Fire Leland. You can't hit in this league, you're garbage. I'm Alex Sharg, and the Tigers are starting to get the bats rolling. Also, MSU baseball with a sweep this weekend. And Mike Rice said it again. All this and more. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. I'm Alex Sharg, your host every every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. on this same station. You can also listen to us online at impact89fm.org. Again, that's www, don't forget that, at impact, uh, www.impact89fm.org. If it is your first time tuning into the Spartan Sports Wrap, let me explain to you a little bit how the show is set up. We start with MSU Sports First. That's your football, basketball. And as I said at the beginning of this broadcast, we will get into MSU baseball today as we have neglected to get a little bit into that for the rest of the season so far, just because of everything going on with Kobe Bryant, the Heat, uh, so many national stories coupled along with it. Uh, Then we jump to your local, that's your Detroit Tigers, Red Wings, Pistons, and more. Then we jump to national, and of course, uh, with the tragedies that have happened today at the Boston Marathon, we will certainly get into that in just a little bit, and we may actually have a guest uh, from the Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston in a few, so you definitely want to keep your dial tuned right here to 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. we do have listeners all over. As far as San Jose State University and Miami, Florida, we are a nationally listened station. So we, of course, appreciate the support from around the USA. We also have a special guest each week. Like I mentioned, we may have someone from the Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston talking about that Boston Marathon tragedy with us in just a few. But in past weeks, we've had Clarissa Bell, Dan Dickerson, Chris Soleri, uh, Brian Calloway, a whole lot of different people on this show, uh, football players, soccer players, all kinds of athletes. So uh, this week, of course, uh, we may have this guest in Boston, but nothing for certain. But you definitely want to keep staying tuned each week to hear what's going on. And in the near future, probably towards the end of the month, we will have a sports team rolling, a whole bunch of different new broadcasts and programming here on 88.9 WDBM. So definitely keep your ears tuned to what is going on in the next month or so. We always start each show with our Chad Ocho Zero segment. That's right, Chad Johnson, the very famous football player who was actually cut from the Miami Dolphins this year because uh, in the wake of a domestic abuse case, against his wife, Evelyn Lozada, who you may have recognized from Basketball Wives, that's right, uh, tweeting in and out uh, a bunch of um, FBI investigations with Chad Johnson, money paying to his ex-wives, a whole bunch of things bringing Chad Johnson down, and we basically like to note Chad Johnson each week, what's going on with him. So this week, uh, last week actually was a little bit quiet, but this week, now Evelyn Lozada's uh, daughter, Shanice, puts Chad Johnson on blast over Twitter. She is saying, quote, You are so busy going on a rant about other people. How about you talk about yourself? You have a child in Liberty City that you do not take care of, uh, and you have uh, you were abusive to other women before you met my mother. That's what you call a bleep excerpt there. Uh, and she went on to say that, bleep such as yourself should rot so of course the daughter definitely taking offense to this whole situation and that's something to really take note of too how is it that this whole chad johnson saga has scooped down onto 
not only Evelyn Lozada and, and fans and media across the globe, but it's stooped down to the to the youth of our communities. It's stooped down to Evelyn Lozada's daughter. That that there is a man, there is a guy out there that is not being fair to her mom. So of course, very sad to note that. Um, but uh, hopefully, Chad Johnson will t- turn it around soon. Maybe he will sign with a team uh, within the near future. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens to Chad. Uh, we also have a score of the week. That's what we call it here on 88.9, a score of the week. It's a special chance for you, the listener, to get a trivia question correctly, and then you will have the opportunity to win a potential prize. We've had Peter Pitt gift certificates. We've had Kosi gift certificates. We've had a whole array of different prizes for the listener. Uh, so if you have the opportunity to keep your ears tuned to 88.9 every Monday from 7 to 8 in the future, you will definitely hear uh, and maybe receive some great prizes. Uh, once we form our sports team in the next month or so, we will definitely move on and offer some prizes in the near future. But we are going through some programming changes here on 88.9, some new shows, some new sports programming coming your way. So definitely stay tuned to see what happens. Coming up on today's show as we started off, uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we're talking about MSU football a little bit more. The green and white game, days away, another spring practice for the Michigan State Spartans. Maxwell, Monty Madras, a bunch of receivers showing off what they can do, including a Nick Hill, Max Bullock. So we've got a whole bunch of updates, according to uh, Joe Rexford from the Detroit Free Press, on Michigan State football news. So we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, MSU baseball, we have not touched on it all year. Uh, they came off with an impressive sweep this weekend against the Indiana Hoosiers. We'll talk about their pro potential. What's going on with them making that championship, them making that that uh, that very prized six-team league tournament and conference title race, and we'll also talk about the sweep last week against Michigan and the difference between this weekend statistically. Uh, 725, we'll get into some MSU basketball news, and we'll touch on this at the end. We'll talk about Tom Izzo and his honoring uh, this upcoming, uh, actually tonight, uh, this is from in Oklahoma City. He's receiving an award that was actually announced earlier this year, but the award banquet ceremony is tonight. At 7.30, we will get to hopefully the Boston Marathon and all of the tragedies, all of the stories floating left and right from different news sources. What's real and what's not? We'll get to that at 7.30. 7.30, uh, probably more towards 7.40 actually. Detroit Tigers, an impressive award given to one Detroit Tiger this week uh, in the wake of a spark in the bats from Detroit Tigers hitters. And we'll also talk about the pain that they are going through from relief pitching. 7.45, Detroit Lions make a splash uh, when it comes to kickers. Once again, we'll talk about a kicker that's floating the way to Detroit. Some position battles, NFL draft looming. We'll talk about who the Detroit Lions may draft and why. Uh, 7.50, the Masters, Kobe Bryant touring his ACL. Uh, We'll talk about Tiger Woods and also the Miami Heat. We'll get to that in National News more at 7.50 as we progress throughout this broadcast. And of course, at 7.55, we have our Goon of the Week. Last week, it was Mike Rice and the Rutgers program. We also talked about the Auburn Tigers program. We had two goons last week. But guess what? Mike Rice is at it again. He is our goon this week. Stay tuned at 7.55 to hear what Mike Rice is up to now. Pretty comical stuff. So you definitely want to keep your ears tuned. But now, to start off the broadcast... MSU football, boy and boy, we've had reports left and right of who's going to be this starting quarterback that everybody has been hyped up so much for. Uh, of course, Maxwell, the veteran, so call it, coming in for another year, possibly starting. Uh, Maxwell uh, playing very well, according to reports thus far. 
Uh, Maxwell, last spring practice, after his first spring practice, which he played very well uh, with uh, um, with a couple touchdowns, this past practice uh, in two full quarters, 123 plays in the two-hour scrimmage, Maxwell completing 14 of 18 passes, very good completion percentage, for 130 yards and a touchdown. Now, Connor Cook and Tyler O'Connor that were neck and neck with Maxwell last week, only 4 for 11 and 66 yards for Connor Cook, and O'Connor 3 for 9 and 29 yards, but O'Connor also added 15 yards on the ground with three attempts, showing off his mobility a little bit. So it all turns to Damian Terry, it sounds like. It all turns to see... If Damian Terry is going to turn the eyes of the fans of the media personnel and showcase why he deserves to be a starter as a true freshman. But right now, I mean, Maxwell, according to reports, looking a lot better, looking like very experienced out there, let a game-winning drive at the end uh, in in a situational scrimmage. So there isn't really much you can say when it comes to why Maxwell shouldn't be the starter. I mean, 14 for 18, he's starting to show this consistency, limiting turnovers, but then you can go on the other side of things. You could say, listen, this is a Michigan State offense versus a Michigan State defense. You're not playing another team. You're not in a game situation to make the analysis that Maxwell is the best quarterback. You can only tell once Maxwell gets on the field. Can you mess... And that's another topic within itself, and I'm going to ask you, the listener... Feel free to call in 517-432-3893. Again, the number 517-432-3893. We, of course, every single week ask you, if if you agree with what is said here on the Sports Wrap, we want you to call in and get some of your opinions. But like I said, is it is it too hard to tell your starting quarterback in spring, tr- in, in spring football games when you go into the year? And the Lions have had this problem in year in and year out before they got Matthew Stafford. When they when they floated through Kitna, when they floated through Culpepper, when they floated through a bunch of different players. But the the Detroit Lions had this this similar problem as in who should be the starting quarterback. Can you necessarily choose who's going to be the the best starter before you know the players set foot on the field? Probably not. I mean, I I don't imagine that you really can understand who would be the ultimate starter. By just looking at spring football, because when you're taking the same makeout of team, you're 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 consistently playing against a Michigan State defense. You're starting to read the defense. You're starting to look at all the different formations. It takes it out of a real life situation. I, I personally don't feel that you can make an analysis on who's going to be the starting quarterback this early and, and be confident about it. If if Joe Rexford writes a column tomorrow and says Maxwell is going to be the starting quarterback or he should be the starting quarterback, I don't feel that there are enough. Uh, facts and, and enough evidence to make that argument fulfill. You're, you're putting Maxwell in a spring training game that isn't in a real-life situation. But if you agree, 517-432-3893, is it accurate enough to, to call a starting quarterback in spring football? Or is it more important to just wait for the season? Is it more important to wait for that first game in September under the lights against Western Michigan? Uh, feel free to call in and offer your opinions as they come. Uh, another thing that you definitely need to look at when it comes to this spring football team is Nick Hill. I mean, you can't get enough of all the shoes that this guy is going to have to come in and take and take away. You're taking on you're taking on an a thousand yard rusher from Le'Veon Bell who decided to leave early. You're taking on the fact that Michigan State's offense for the majority of the year, relies on age uh, on Le'Veon Bell. When Maxwell was throwing interceptions, when the offense and receivers were dropping balls, when the offense could not get anything rolling, 
Who did the Spartans turn to? It was Le'Veon Bell, and it was every single time. 40, 40, 40 touches a game, uh, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more. But you can count on Le'Veon Bell to be the anchor of that offense. Nick Hill. Could Nick Hill be the anchor of that offense? We sure is. We sure are rooting for him to basically make a statement here. But, of course, Nick Hill has not had many game experience so far. But it turns out that according to spring football thus far, Nick Hill is meeting expectations. Nick Hill and Jeremy Langford combining for 104 yards rushing. Uh, redshirt freshman Riley Bullock also saw snaps at linebacker during the scrimmage. Uh, led the he also rushed uh, with 43 yards on 11 carries, including a one-yard touchdown run. So basically, showing off his strength and power, pounding up the gut. Uh, Nick Hill collected on 33 yards on 12 attempts and provided a game-winning seven-yard touchdown run as well. So uh, very nice to see. Uh, some of these recaps when it comes to Nick Hill. He also capped a 10-play, 75-yard drive with a 7-yard touchdown run. That was just over a minute remaining in this quote-unquote situational scrimmage. And again, offense beating the defense 28-26. But, look, we focused so much on this offense so far this show. We talked about Maxwell, Nick Hill filling the void, the receivers, who's going to step up. It could be Monty Madaris. Uh, a lot of intensity uh, showed off by him so far. But And let me tell you more about Monty Matters and why that Terry Samuel, the receivers coach, it may be counting on him to be a little bit more quote-unquote nasty. This is written by by uh, Brian Calloway from the Lansing State Journal, who actually will be a special guest in a few weeks with us, so definitely keep tuned to that. But this is what Samuel said about the MSU receivers. Quote, we want them to be those types of wide receivers because we're going to be a physical team. We're going to run power. We want our wide receivers to exhibit that as well, unquote. He went on to talk about Monty. Monty is a crazy individual. I love his mentality. He will go in and hit a linebacker. He will hit a defensive end. He will hit a brick wall if you tell him which brick to hit. He's just that type of kid, and you love that about him. If Monty Matters is going into spring practice, nailing linebackers, matching up against defensive ends, is that necessarily the best situation for a guy like this? I mean, if you're a receiver, don't you want to protect your receivers like you would your quarterback? If you're Terry Samuel, when is the when is the breaking point to stop? Because Spartan fans, the worst thing that I'm sure you would want to see is Monty Matters being held out of uh, uh, being held out of of future practices and scrimmages before the season, and maybe even missing some of the season because he decided to go out and and compete with a defensive end, but. That could just be the mentality of Monty. That's just who he is, his makeup. He's just got that passion. He's got that drive, that motivation in football that can sometimes be not found in a lot of receivers. But is is Terry Samuel's philosophy receivers a good thing? Would you want our receivers to be a little more nasty, a little more aggressive, a little more physical, and getting a little more bang for your buck? 517-432-3893. 517-432-3893. Again, I'm Alex Sharg. If you're just tuning in, this is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM 88.9. Uh, if you're in your car, you're just getting out, you can go to us online at impact89fm.org. Again, that's www.impact89fm.org. We'd always like to take your calls. 517-432-3893. Keep in mind, you can also send us a tweet. Uh, you can send us a tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap. That is our Twitter handle. So definitely feel free to send us a tweet. Tell us a little bit what you think is the right philosophy for Michigan State. Who you like in the position battles thus far and why. Uh, 
Is Monty Matters going to be that number one guy? I mean, Terry Samuel has said that he has been matching up against this number one defense. He's had that play experience uh, when it comes to getting into that one offense and, and getting balls thrown his way. Our next starter, or an X, our next uh, Y receiver, Z or X receiver, could be Monty Matters. Um, so if you feel like Monty Matters or any other receivers uh, are a little bit too nasty, feel free to call in. That is just the topic of conversation right now. Uh, 517-432-3893. Alongside with this receiver battle, and if you're just tuning in, we do have a little bit of a lineup to get to. We're going to get into some MSU baseball in just a few minutes. MSU basketball, a little honorary ceremony for Tom Izzo tonight. We're getting into the Boston Marathon ordeal. We may have a caller from Wentworth Institute of Technology out in Boston who's been witnessing this event. Uh, We're also going to get into Detroit Tiger baseball, and we'll get into some Detroit Lions and some national news regarding Kobe Bryant, the Masters, and a whole lot more. And then you also want to stay tuned at the end of the show for our Goon of the Week. And guess what? Mike Rice, the man that you never probably want to see in the NCAA ever again, is back at it again, but in another league. I'll get to that at 7.55 and why he is the biggest goon this week. Alongside with all of this MSU football talk, it's time to jump and switch tides to MSU baseball. Man, oh man, if you missed last weekend when the Spartans got swept by the Wolverines, it was not a pretty sight. Hitting 198 for the weekend, uh, nothing was really there. They did come close in a couple games, but U of M definitely came on and showed them why they are the better team. Uh, Not to say that MSU baseball does not have the chance to beat them, but Michigan football is... Michigan, uh, I mean, excuse me, Michigan basketball definitely showed in the tournament why they could be that good team as well. But let's look at what happened this weekend, this before two weeks ago, on when the Spartans placed the uh, faced the Indiana Hoosiers, who were ranked 15 in the nation. Yes, the Spartans did sweep the Hoosiers. That, that's right, they swept the Indiana Hoosiers, making them sixth place in the conference, a tie with Illinois. They have 15 games to go. Their overall record now, 21-11, 21 wins, 11 losses, and then they're 5-4 and four in the Big Ten. The team hit 316 this weekend against Indiana University compared to their 198 against Michigan. But what I'm wondering is with, with the Indiana Hoosiers, who were first place in the Big Ten, uh, they they were 26 and seven leading up to today's game, first place standing. Do you need to hit 316 and have walk offs every single game to beat this? And how, how good is this Indiana Hoosier baseball team? Because the Michigan State Spartans this weekend came on to to, to last night's game and won off of a walk off. That's right, a walk off bases loaded bottom of the ninth single to win six to five. Saturday night, the night before that. They won off a Jimmy Pickens solo homer in the 10th inning to win 6-5. Friday's game, Jimmy Pickens added again with an RBI single to win Friday's game 2-1. 2-1 walk-off, 6-5 walk-off, and then you got a 6-5 bottom of the ninth bases loaded walk-off from Ryan Krill. This Michigan State baseball team after this weekend is floating. They're floating with motivation. They're floating with magic. They're floating with late-game fever. It seems that to beat the number 15-ranked Indiana Hoosiers, late-game fever with Magic is the only way this Spartan baseball team can knock off a team like that. But is it? Do you have to hit 316 with walk-offs to beat Indiana University? Can we beat Michigan 
two weekends ago if we hit 198 because we sure were pretty darn close. It wasn't really too far off. 517-432-3893. Who on this Michigan State baseball team have you seen most important to have so far? Who has been our MVP? Is it Jimmy Pickens? Has Jimmy Pickens established himself after the walk after the RBI single, after the solo homer in the 10th, 6-5-2-1, winning, winning that little series for the Michigan State Spartans? Or are you going to switch tides and go with Ryan Krill? I mean, even after this weekend, his play besides his base-loaded single, uh, to get that sweep just shows... Uh, uh, that he may have that experience, that composure in the batter's box to get that bottom of the ninth base loaded single. Uh, again, something that you also should know, uh, with their game when it hits on Friday and Saturday, uh, the Spartans now, uh, you know, they have their next game tomorrow. Um, and, and, the, and the Spartans tomorrow have a very tough foe in Notre Dame. So uh, that's going to be quite the matchup for them, whether they can really pull it together or not. Uh, another thing to know about the Spartan baseball team is look at all the players that just came out of this program. You see, if you look at the major leagues, I mean, Michigan State Michigan State baseball is pretty well known. Now, are there any guys on this team this year that you personally as a listener can see having a legitimate professional chance? Can any of them make it to the bigs? Can any of them follow some of their predecessors that have done some damage at the major league level? Name your favorite MSU baseball player and name who is going to make their mark in the professional level. 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. We're talking about MSU baseball. You can also jump on the bandwagon as we just got done talking about MSU football uh, regarding if Andrew Maxwell is going to be that guy. Uh, And just basically recapping, if you just missed it, the second scrimmage uh, in the spring just commenced in the offense one after a Nick Hill game-winning 7-yard touchdown run, and that was actually courtesy of a huge drive, 104 yards from Andrew Maxwell. Uh, so it's it's sure looking that Andrew Maxwell may be that number one guy. It's sure, it's sure looking that he has the composure in the pocket now. He's not rushed to make some of these decisions. Very uh, No interceptions, two touch, uh, a touchdown to go along with 14 of 18 passing. So looks like Maxwell is certainly the favorite to come on again this year. Uh, alongside with MSU Baseball and Andrew Maxwell, time to switch tides here and get into the tide that struck Boston today. That's right, if you are just tuning in right now, if you turn on any major news source, whether it be CNN, ESPN, uh, you can go anywhere for this kind of story. Uh, if you have not heard, and if you are hearing it for your first time, there is a tragedy today at Boston in the marathon, two deaths, more than 50 injured, according to some sources from the uh, from the Associated Press, uh, two uh, uh, multiple explosions near the finish line, uh, conflicting sources, whether they were bombs, whether they were it could have been a transformer exploding. But as we look at right now, most fingers are pointing to the fact that this was a bomb, um, whether this explosion was from a terrorist attack that's remained uh, a little bit of a debate, but there definitely was some pandemonium from many of the racers, many of those who were at Boston today. 
uh, in the city. We may have Miranda Stuckey, a freshman from Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston, call in in just a few. We actually may have another guy named Benny Ebert Zavis, a student here at Michigan State University, that may call in from Boston. He actually competed in the race today. So he is a guy that we actually may get on here and give you some instant updates from an MSU student. That's right, Benny Ebert Zavis, an MSU student who ran in that Boston Marathon, may give us a call in quite a few to talk about what he witnessed at that Boston Marathon today. So definitely keep your dial tuned and also give us a call if you can if you want to talk about the accounts that did happen today in Boston. 517-432-3893. I mean, look, we've seen all kinds of things and attacks and all kinds of, of tragedies in sports. We've seen Munich. I mean, we've seen we've seen a whole array of different sporting events with tragedies. But I don't think ever, and especially in recent, we've ever seen a Boston Marathon exhibit a terrorist attack or any marathon for that matter when have you seen an explosion at a marathon whether this was a terrorist attack it is still remains to be seen um but the sad part about it is that as the horrors exploded and, and all of that happened and all the government officials responded uh there was some fighting that broke out between many of the people uh and and, and, and here's another question. Do we really need an increase in, in critical infrastructure, security infrastructure at events? Do we need to really beef up security at sporting events? How easy is it for any bomb, any explosion to walk your way right into Spartan Stadium or Comerica Park? I mean, look. Look at what's happened at colleges. We saw Virginia Tech. We saw what happened with many schools, many professional-level organizations. We, it's not out of the question that... That a bombing or any explosion cannot happen in today's world. Uh, I mean, tragedy is certainly sparking throughout the air. All these runners, uh, there's all kinds of stories about certain runners. Uh, a lot of Michigan people actually running in that race. Uh, I'll read you a few of those people right now. Uh, let's just start from the Detroit area. Um, Timothy Hunnert, uh this is according to M Live actually. Timothy Hunter finished a couple hours ahead of the explosions, and this is what he said, quote, I didn't hear or see anything besides what was on TV. We went out to eat near Farnell Hall. People were talking about it, but everyone seemed normal. Uh, multiple reports, more from Flint, uh, organizers of Flint's Crim Festival of Races. Uh, this is from race director Andrew Younger. He said, quote, from a personal standpoint, I'm just in shock, and I feel terrible for everybody who's there. For so many people, this is one of the greatest days of their lives, and this is just an awful shock to have to deal with. I just don't understand why someone would even do this. I don't know what kind of message this sends to anyone. Um, the last American man to win the Boston Marathon uh, from Grand Rapids, Greg Meyer, finished minutes after this explosion, and this guy, 57 years old out of Rockford, who won it back in 1983. Uh, this was his first time running the course in five years after his winning, an elite runner from the Riverbank Run and a longtime ambassador to the running community. Uh, still waiting on quotes from him. Uh, Becky Good from Jackson received five phone calls, about 10 text messages Monday afternoon from people concerned about her husband, Mark Good, uh, of Spring Arbor. But according to that, he is okay heading to the airport all safe and sound. A lot of the Michigan runners are, are currently okay. Uh, a lot of them did not really witness this event. But... It goes beyond saying. I mean, let's just look at the effects. You're looking at this Boston Marathon. And when it comes to the sport of running, I mean, thank goodness this happened outside of, I mean, the race. 
you saw these runners, the explosion happened basically behind a crowd of fans. So, uh, whether it was a terrorist attack, whether it did affect the race whatsoever, I mean, it definitely halted everything. It definitely proned it to investigation, shut everything down. And and this kind of reminds me, actually, of a movie that I, I that I think maybe some of you have seen with Mark Wahlberg a little while ago, uh, when there was a um, uh, attack, you know, in a in a in a in an East Coast city, and Mark Wahlberg had to take things into his own hands. Um, and, I mean, this move, this movie that some of you may have seen uh, a few years ago, is very very similar to this situation right now in the movie Shooter. I mean, if you have not seen the movie Shooter, uh, sure you're not dealing with Mark Wahlberg, who is a veteran sniper, but I mean, basically what happened is you're, and, and you can even to compare this to Vantage Point. I mean, there are so many movies made about the potential uh, terrorism, explosions, things like that, uh, that can affect a massive community. Initial thoughts, I want to hear from you, the listener, 517-432-3893. I'm Alex Shargo. This is the Spartan Sports Trap. We're going to take a quick break right here, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. More on the Boston Marathon when we return on 88.9. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to Impact Exposure. This is the Spartan Sport Trap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Of course, a little bit of a somber tone uh, recapping this Boston Marathon tragedy that have left many wounded, two people have been killed, uh, and many witnesses to this terrible account and tragedy. Uh, we may be actually getting an MSU student here who is running in that race in Boston in just a few minutes here. I'm just talking to him right now. Uh, so hopefully he can get on the air with us and talk about what he witnessed at this Boston Marathon today. And he was actually racing this Boston Marathon with his new app, Tempo Run, uh, which is actually coming out within the next month or so. Uh, it's a, it's basically an application that matches the music to your pace of your run. Uh, so if you want to hear more about that and basically uh, what his accounts were of this race, uh, you definitely want to stay tuned in just a few minutes here. Hopefully we can get him on the line. Uh, alongside with, hopefully we'll get some callers, uh, let's just talk more about uh, some athletes' reactions to this. 
uh, some more coverage of the stories, uh, what CNN is saying that this was a terrorist attack. Uh, but let's hear from some Boston athletes first off. Um, you can go in all sorts of, uh, of ways with this. You can talk to all sorts of different people. But, I mean, wow. Will Middlebrook, Will Middlebrook said, wow, what is wrong with people? Prayers, Boston Marathon, hashtag. Shane Victorino, very sad to hear the news coming out of Boston. Horrific. My thoughts and prayers to all of those involved. I mean, even athletes taking such reaction to this, the entire nation, the entire world, getting notice of this account here in Boston. I mean, and the video. I mean, the video that goes along with it is just bearing, daring to watch. I mean, you're seeing this city, and then you're seeing as runners are slowly finishing their races, an explosion uh, knocking fans into the streets. I mean, the fans that were in the crowd watching, some fans got knocked into the streets of the race. I mean, this was just terrible to witness. Um, alongside with this explosion and running, I mean, when is the last time you've seen any explosion, any bombing besides Munich? I mean, it's, it, it, there there have been minor things. I mean, you've seen some minor difficulties with planes, um, you know, a couple planes crashing. We saw what happened to the Marshall team. You, if you've seen We Are Marshall, you know what I'm talking about. But when have you ever seen a tragedy in situation just as this? I mean, it is just ridiculous. Uh, there is many. Re- there are many reporters right now that are on the scene trying to basically understand if this was an attack or not. Um, but I guess we'll keep you updated here at the Spartan Sports Trap as we hear all the news. Like I said, if you're just tuning in at the beginning of the broadcast, there's a lot to cover here um, at this um, at this hour. But actually, there's some new updates. Sorry, back to the Boston Marathon here. But now there are at least 110 hertz at the marathon. 110. It went from 50 to 110. Obama doesn't say terror. Uh, he's not. He's not starting this as a terror attack anytime soon. Uh, but this could be something that we could be blowing out of proportion. I mean, this could be an explosion of a tra- of a transformer. This could be an explosion of something that we just don't know about. Um, affiliates are trying to basically talk about, um, you know, basically what really was uh, the story here. I mean, CNN is calling this a terrorist attack, but Obama doesn't say terror. Um, Wolf Blitzer on the scene covering this right now. Uh, he's talking about that, according to the Boston Globe, they have 90-plus injured uh, maybe three dead, two dead for sure, possibly three. Uh, so the numbers just keep on rolling here as this whole thing uh, basically continues. I mean, man, the video right now, I mean, it's right in front of all the nation's flags too. I mean, the explosion, the smoke goes up enti- ahead of the entire city, all the nation's flags, people clenching for help. This is probably one of the worst days in sports that we've seen in quite some time. If you have witnessed, if you have any friends in the Boston Marathon, if you have any accounts to this attack, quote-unquote, at the Boston Marathon. We'd love to hear your thoughts. 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. I mean, even reporters that were at the hotel's neighboring said that they could hear it and hear the shaking from miles away. That There's no way that you could have avoided an attack like this and not know uh, that this was something serious. Um, so we'll get to that and a whole lot more as we continue later in the broadcast. Uh, but for right now, let's switch tides from the Boston Marathon and national news. And we'll get into uh, a little bit about the Detroit Tigers. That's right. Detroit Tigers baseball is here in full swing in April. 
the temperatures are starting to heat up now. We may see, as we saw last uh, yesterday, that some of the bats are starting to heat up along with the weather. The first week of baseball, the weather was not very good. The Tigers going just about 500 within the first seven games. Uh, but, I mean, it's a long season, a long way to go. And you look at some of these Tigers hitters. I mean, you've looked at Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, and Princefield. They're our big three. Uh, I mean, we pretty much counted that they would be pretty uh, successful. But the thing about it is Prince Fielder showcasing, even within the first week, that he has gone above and beyond of being this small-time million-dollar player and winning American League Player of the Week. That's right. Uh, if you did not know, Prince Fielder, just about an hour ago or two, uh, this was actually around 5 o'clock, Prince Fielder was named American League Player of the Week for the first time, no hitter in the American League had had a better week than Prince Fielder. I mean, wow. 12 for 19, 632, two homers, four doubles, 11 RBIs from Prince Fielder this week. I mean, wow. Five runs, and all this was in the Tigers' last six games. I mean, both of his homers over the weekend in Oakland, um, three-run blast in the Detroit series opener Friday, a Saturday and a 7-3 win. I mean, this guy is destroying, destroying the MLB right now. I mean, you look at uh, the le- the way he led the majors in batting average, RBIs, slugging percentage, and on-base percentage, and also tied for second in doubles and third in bases. Uh, but, I mean, this is the guy that definitely has a lot of potential. Uh, we'll definitely see what happens with Prince Fielder. I mean, is this guy going to continue this streak? I mean, hopefully we won't see another Chris Shelton thing. But this guy, I mean, Prince Fielder, wow, 632, 12 for 19, and this AL Player of the Week honors. I mean, the other thing that I'm also concerned about when it comes to Prince Fielder and Miguel Cabrera is Victor Martinez, and this is why. Victor Martinez, I was maybe going to keep him as the Goon of the Week, but I just couldn't help it because Victor Martinez uh, last Tuesday was designated out of the lineup for one of the games on April 9th because of his laceration on his right thumb. He had a cut that required eight stitches and occurred when Martinez caught it on a metal piece on the team's bat rack. Victor Martinez being kept out of the game because of cutting his thumb on the bat rack. I mean, man, we've seen all court. We've all, we, I mean, we've had goons of the week, uh, the player from the Oakland A's who, who, who cut his thumb just... Uh, you know, throwing his gum up on the ceiling, I mean, in the dugout. We've seen all sorts of silly baseball injuries, but when have we seen a silly baseball injury with the Detroit Tigers? We haven't seen a player cut his thumb on the bat rack and be kept out of a game. Eight stitches, this was for a one specific cut. I mean, man, oh man, Andy Dirks filled in, and and Don Kelly made his second start in left field uh, trying to Switch the lineup around for, for Victor Martinez. But, man, is that embarrassing or what? Let's jump to the phone. We've got Elmo from Detroit. Elmo, what about Victor hey, Martinez being out? Hey, I mean, this Detroit Tigers team is definitely turning it up. I mean, you, you saw a Prince Fielder winning AL Player of the Week. But, man, Victor Martinez day-to-day with cutting his thumb on a bat rack? I mean, what kind of an injury is that? It happens. It happens. What are you going to do? It happens. The Tigers are phenomenal. They're hitting the ball like crazy. Yeah, but, you know, the one thing about the Tigers that, that is definitely worrisome is their relief pitching. I mean, from Villarreal no trying to make his way back, 
I mean, you've seen Coke and there not be so strong that we've seen him before. Uh, you know, we've seen Rondone with his insecurities. Uh, what do you do with this relief pitching? We're in trouble, Alex. We're definitely in trouble. If anyone thinks that we're in good shape with the relief pitching, they don't know baseball. Yeah, I mean, but look, if you had to pick a Tiger right now and say this guy is our best relief pitcher, who would it be? It has to be Smiley. Why Smiley? He's a pro starter. He's young. He's got plenty of years to get better and better. Yeah, but of course he's a pro starter, and of course he's got years. Well, but but look, well, um, we got, but we got we got nobody else. Yeah, but look, look, we we do have some players that can throw the ba- that that can pitch the baseball. I mean, from Albuquerque uh, to, to Villarreal coming back. I mean, there are some Tigers that can throw the baseball. But why are they hitting off these Tigers relief pitching? Does it have to do with that they're back for another season, that they've scouted this relief pitching and realized, hey, as the Tigers have one of the best starting pitchers, uh, starting pitching staffs in baseball, the only way that we can beat this Tiger team is by scouting that relief pitching staff and figuring out their flaws. I agree. That's the only way they could do it because the, 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 starting, the starting rotation is solid. Right. And remember that at the beginning of the year when we had six starting pitchers, including Smiley, who isn't even starting, and that we were maybe considering trading one of those six starting pitchers to get some help from our bullpen. Is it a little bit too early? Do, do they really fold, uh, fold the cards in right about now, or do we give it a little more time? I think we've got to give it a little more time. It's still early. It's cold. The weather is not that warm yet. It's still not warm baseball weather. Um, I, I will give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I think Downs, he's got some potential in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Downs is a guy, you know, very quick. Darren Downs, I mean, you know, Lefty, who's, who's very quick, gets batters out, throws a lot of strikes. Uh, it's got a pretty good release, good set of pitches. Uh, but... I mean, even at this closure position, I- I've said this week in, week out, but you can't win and go to an MLB World Series if you don't have a permanent closure. You need a guy that's going to be there game in, game out, and be automatic. I agree with you. We've got to have a closer. Got to have a closer. Coke's not the man. Right. And let's look at a guy. I mean, the extent of the elbow injury that forced Octavio Dotel from that game a couple days ago, uh, we don't really know if that's going to basically affect him for a very long time, but Dotel has been a closer in the past. Do you maybe look to get Dotel in that in that closing in that closing role with his experience? Because personally, teams may know Dotel very well by now. You know, I, I think we might have to look to the uh, the Triple A, Toledo. I think there's some good relievers down there. They might have to look into because the ones we have now aren't going to hold up. And guess who's in that Triple A system as a reliever? Jose uh, Valverde. I can't go with Valverde. He's going to have to be on the uh, you know. Lowest man on the total pole for me. If he if he comes up, I'm giving up on the Tigers. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. If Jose Valverde comes back, do you give up on this Tiger team? Do you throw in the cards that early and call the season done? We we hear here from Elmo from Detroit talking about how bad this is if the Tigers call up Jose Valverde. But Elmo, let, let's talk and switch ties from Detroit Tiger baseball uh, to this Boston Marathon thing today. I mean, Elmo, I mean, Elmo, from Munich to the to we are Marshall. We've seen all kinds of tragedies. But how big is this? That's terrible. This is so traumatic. It's unbelievable. I was watching the news before, you know, a few minutes ago. It was just these people today are just crazy. They're out of control. Yeah, and it seems like that's the only thing really rocking the front page of anything uh, in today in, in today's sports world. But another thing I want to talk about with you, because Elmo, you're a usual caller, and you talk about your affinity for Kobe Bryant. 
But, I mean, wow. As the, as the Lakers race for eighth place and the Lakers somehow try to piece it all together here, I'm not so sure if they can do it without Kobe Bryant. Can they? I agree with you, Alex. There's no, I don't think there's any way. There's no hope in the world that they could even get past the first round without Kobe. That leadership and the ten, tenacious um, defense he plays and the heart that he that he has, you can't get that from just any other player. It's a certain player that carries all those different elements, which right. makes Kobe who he is. Right, and here's the other thing, is that this Laker team, with all they went through to acquire Dwight Howard, for all of this of putting the pieces together for Kobe, getting Nash as that veteran, if Kobe can't come, I mean, will first of all, um, will Kobe come back? I mean, d- does he have the heart, in your opinion, to come back from this injury? I mean, this is you know, this I, is a significant I, tear. This is a Booby yeah. Miles type tear. Well, I could say for my my own by my own self, I, I had the same Achilles tendon surgery, and it's not, and he's going to have the best trainers and everything. Right. True. But phys- physically and mentally, it's totally different. Coming back from that kind of injury is a lot different than coming back from a knee injury. Because that one tendon is what holds your foot and your leg together. Mm-hmm. And mentally, it's it's a tough road to come back on. So I'm going to say at his age, he'll never be the same. Right. I mean, it's evident that he'll never be the same, but can he still contribute to an NBA level? I mean, what are the Lakers going to do with their team now? And will any team want Kobe Bryant? I think they're going to have for next year. They're going to have to get. I think they're going to have to let Dwight Howard go and try to get someone to take Kobe's spot. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're going to have to totally restructure this organization and build from the bottom up. I think so. All right, I agree. thanks a lot for your call. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's great, sir. I love talking to you. Of course. Elmo from Detroit calling in, giving his take on the A and the ACL injury of Kobe Bryant and a whole lot more. Uh, just, of course, recapping the, the tragedy in Boston. Unbelievable. Like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, we may get a student or two on here. Uh, we actually do have uh, Miranda Stuckey from Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston. Uh, she, unfortunately, was was unable to call in, but she did send us a little bit of a an email bit on what she witnessed today. And I'm just going to read this to you, uh, what she basically had to deal with in the city of Boston. So she said this, quote, Today I was just a volunteer at the marathon. My job was at the finish line, but I was back away from the line. The explosions were less than a block away from me. I was supposed to hand the runners their bags of personal belongings after they were done competing. All I heard was the explosions. There were two. In all honesty, we thought it was a piece of machinery that dropped a piece of heavy metal. A few minutes later, all the police officers and ambulances started moving towards the finish line. It was inspiring to see the dedication of all the volunteers and all the professionalism of the competitors. Everyone that I encountered today was helping another individual, whether it was a few words on the street, or they held each other up while they changed out of racing clothes. Many of the runners were disoriented and confused about what was happening, and I don't blame them. I'd want to get out of there as quickly as I could too. A teammate and myself helped two runners get back to their hotel, or a friend... I passed so many strong individuals along the way, it's astounding. Everyone did more than they were supposed to, even when they didn't deserve to have that asked of them. I was incredibly lucky to be as far away as I was and to meet the people I did today. So great to see the positivity coming out of Boston residents and those going to school there. I mean, for students, for youth, to witness this Boston Marathon and all of its tragedies is beyond thinkable. Beyond thinkable. But the worst part about it is that we're still trying to scramble and figure out 
whether this is a one-man attack or, or this is based off a bigger organization. I mean, if it is, and 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 there there this is a one-man attack. I mean, do you do you account and, and target more of that uh, of that network of underground uh, of uh, an underground terrorist network? I mean, where do you go from here? We'd love to take your calls. We heard one from Elmo just a little bit ago. 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. Rick Porcello and the Detroit Tigers pitching. uh, Certainly needing help on the relief side, but Prince Fielder in the hitting. Austin Jackson, Torrey Hunter. I mean, Austin Jackson with four hits. Torrey Hunter with all his multi-hit games. They certainly are starting to hold the fort down and making this not too much of a big deal. Uh, Along with the relief of this Detroit Tiger pitching, I mean, we'll go game the game basis. We only have an hour. So it's hard to go game the game basis and in-depth within this hour talk. But uh, for what the, with the 10 minutes we have left, we got to talk about the Detroit Lions before we go. I mean, this is a pretty interesting story to me. Havard Ruglin, uh, a Norwegian YouTube kicking sensation, was recently signed by the Detroit Lions to compliment David Akers, the veteran Akers who was cut from the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, this guy, this YouTube sensation, is kicking the football onto onto boats in a lake. This guy is drop kicking footballs uh, from the side from a ninety degree angle and kicking it towards uh, towards the field goal post, just putting on a show. I mean, this Havar Ruglin guy certainly looks like this guy can kick in the, in the NFL. But then there are the intangibles. Then there are the intangibles of being in that clutch situation, having that Adam Vinatieri experience and composure to kick a game-winning field goal, as Jason Hansen did many times throughout his career. Could, is, is this Havard Ruglin guy mainly a, a a media stint? Is he mainly going to draw fans in the seats? Or is this Havard Ruglin guy going to ideally have a chance of making this Detroit Lion roster? How crucial is Havard Ruglin and his YouTube videos to this Detroit Lion team? I mean, if you look at, I mean, if you watch the video, you, you can go on YouTube and find this video uh, basically anytime you want. But, I mean, we've seen soccer players attempt to kick before. There are many soccer players, friends of mine, that are kicking now in college programs. I have friends kicking at Kalamazoo, at Kansas. Uh, there, there are many soccer players that think that they can maybe kick in the NFL. But can a, can a soccer player necessarily kick on an NFL team and be able to have the composure, have all of the intangibles. Can he learn, like Havard Ruglin, can Havard Ruglin learn all of the intangibles to be an NFL kicker? Or is it something you just can't teach? 517-432-3893. Again, if you'd like to talk about anything we have during the show, send us a tweet at 89FM Sports Trap, or you can also uh, call in and talk about anything we've discussed thus far. Uh, regarding the bus, the Boston Marathon, MSU baseball sweeping the Hoosiers. We could talk about MSU football and spring ball, whether Maxwell is going to be that starter. Uh, a whole lot more. Uh, Detroit Tigers, of course, struggling. And, and another thing in sports news, if you've seen the Jackie number 42 movie, uh, besides for throughout the majors today, they will wear that number 42 uh, to honor Jackie Robinson. But... If you've seen the movie, I really want to hear about it because that is a movie making that story, that historical, uh, that that historical influence of Jackie Robinson into a modern day picture, is sometimes a little hard to imagine. I'm not so sure that they can portray the exact feelings, emotions, everything that goes along with Jackie Robinson into this number 42 film. So five one seven four three two three eight nine three reviews of the Jackie Robinson movie. 
Have you seen it? What do you think of it? Does it accurately portray what he has affected in the world of sports? Uh, I want to hear it all right here. In just a few minutes, we'll be getting to our goon of the week. But like I said, we want to talk about Detroit Lions and what they are really going to do uh, with their team. Because, man, when it came to a week or two ago, before they signed Jason Jones, before before they signed a defensive tackle, uh, this team was looking to go on the defensive line. Uh, It looked like this Detroit Lions team certainly was going to stick with drafting, not necessarily the best player available, but it looked like this Detroit Lions team was going to maybe go on the defensive line to replace Cliff Averill. To fill the void of Cliff Averill in the defensive line before their signings, um, it wasn't necessarily so certain that they would draft the D. Milner, that they would draft a top prospect. Well, let's go to the phone. We've got another caller. You are on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Benny Ebert-Zabos. I'm actually I'm calling. I'm, I'm at Harvard right now I'm here in Massachusetts, in Cambridge. Benny Ebert-Zabos, welcome to the program. We were actually waiting for your call. We actually just had a girl uh, email us from the Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston about what she encountered at the Boston Marathon today. So, Benny, you ran uh, in this wow. marathon, uh, just a horrible sight to witness. What, what I- 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 as you were a competitor, what did you see? What were the rumblings coming off of your personal sure. witnesses? I mean, it was one of those things that, uh, like, when I passed the finish line, I mean, Boston, as you know, it's it's one of the most prestigious marathons, if not the most prestigious marathon. So people really take take this race to heart, and they come from all over, not just the U.S., but uh, the the world alone. And it, it's one of those things that people put their heart and soul into training for this race. I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm a huge student, so training in the cold is is terrible. But like that, that's not even the worst of it. There's people that come from all walks of life, from all over the world. And this is this is their goal. Like people train even years for this. The last year was extremely hot, so um, Boston Marathon offered that uh, if you actually didn't come out to the race last year, they'd guarantee you entrance to this year. And that was a big chunk of people. So wow. it was one of those things that um, when I crossed the finish line, I, I ran a PR, which is a personal record, and all the guys that I chatted with were they were ecstatic that they ran great races, and then a few hours later, than the uh, explosion occurred and it's one of those things that how how can you kind of feel good about yourself for running this great race when there when there's people that are seriously injured dismembered people died I and mean, it's one of those things that at what point where where do you draw the line and then and then realize that there's it's one of those things that that, that running is it's such a, a peaceful like a kind of on your own sport that you kind of uh you are uh, you're, you're so into your own workout your own zone but it's I mean, it's devastating, and it was, it was one of those things that just seeing it all unfold. Was, uh, I mean, that area right by the finish line, I was there, like, right after after I finished the race. And it was, um, even even some of the images that I saw online, uh, I, I was just there, and actually I left um, downtown. I was in a cab going to our apartment, and um, 10 minutes was into our ride, that's when it happened. My parents actually... Uh, all the smoke and then they heard the uh heard the explosion so it's uh it's one of those things that hits home especially since boston is such a pretty tight-knit community right. um and it's yeah it's, it's mind-blowing for those of you just tuning in benny ebert zavis an msu student who actually flew out to boston this weekend to run this marathon who he, uh, that actually he has been training for for quite some time uh benny also using his new app tempo run uh a music an application that matches the music to your pace of your, of your run benny did you have that with you in the race today 
I actually did not. It, it, it's one of those things that uh, I, I actually run naked. A temper run's amazing. It, it works, but it's it's one of those things that for me, if if, if I have um, some type of device on me that uh, I'm, I'm more prone to look at it, and then you, you kind of get just so mental about m- making sure you hit that pace. So I typically like to run naked, but I do. Uh, in a sense, I do use Temper Run just on, on runs around East Lansing. Actually, we we pushed out the beta. Uh, it should be pushing out tonight and tomorrow. So we've got to select a small group of people that are testing it for us, and we're uh, going to have a big launch in, in May. But I'm 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 learning more and more just with this app about the benefits of listening to music uh, while running and how it can a- a- increase your workout and your cardiovascular output. So. I'm learning at the same time, and uh, I've been listening to music more because of Temper Run, definitely. But uh, with time, I'll, I'll definitely ease into it. But, uh, I mean, more people are using it as a guide. I mean, music really does enhance your workout and, 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 and allows you to have a more fluid performance without doubt. Definitely. Benny, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, just one last question before you go sure. here. Um um, I, I can't imagine, you know, what your reaction is being there in Boston, you know, on your way home, finding that out. I mean, you're hearing it right first here on the impact that an MSU student finished the race on his way home, heard the expl- uh, some of his, his parents heard the explosions. Uh, he started to hear some of the reminiscence uh, and, and, and analysis and comments from many of the people there. I mean, were there students along there with you? I mean, was this a younger crowd? It's it's crazy because actually no like uh, I mean there's a good bit of, of, of younger runners I mean you have to be 18 and up uh, to even qualified so most of these guys um, it so it can't be your first marathon so typically most marathoners are not 18 to 20 and change they're they're typically your 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 25 and up and, and and I mean there's guys that did this race that were 80 plus years old um, it's 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 insane that that some of these guys have done it for years and years. I actually ran next to a guy uh, who ran the whole race barefoot. Um, there's people that are running the race in prosthetics, all different types of wow. costumes, um, people that are pushing wheelchairs that, um, with which they had a family member or friend that suffered from muscular dystrophy um, or, or any kind of different uh, ailment. And, and then these all individuals are participating in the race. So it's, it's really people from all, all walks of, 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 of ages and, and, and abilities. It's 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 just quite a camaraderie. I mean, it's gone on for 117 years, and they do it right. And there's about 29,000 people there that are running today, so it's 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 serious. Wow, Benny, thank you so much for the call. Stay safe, and we'll see you in East Lansing soon. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Benny Ebert Davis, MSU student who ran in that Boston Marathon. Just horrible, uh, just to cap that off, uh, just, just some good comments. I mean, you hear it first on the impact. No news source has an MSU student yet uh, who, per, who honestly witnessed himself some of the makings of that Boston Marathon. But from a little bit of a more, uh, a little more negative uh, news to a little bit more positive news, a little goofy news, because it's time for this. Goon, 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 goon. Of the week. That's right, Goon of the Week. And this week, Mike Rice is at it again. That's right, Mike Rice, the man who was actually recently fired from Rutgers, is now coaching 12 year old girls in an AAU basketball game in New Jersey. This was just today. Tweets coming from um, some Hoops Critics. Hoops Critics. Uh, Brian Geltziller uh, was talking about how he was actually uh, not joking. A seventh grade girls team. No way, right? But according to this Deadspin report, it is very true. But that's another thing. Would you be comfortable with Mike Rice coaching your girls? 
Unbelievable. So that's going to be our Goon of the Week. And as we will come back next week on the Spartan Sports Trap, we'll have more guests as we did today with Benny Ebert Davis, Miranda Stuckey's email, and of course Elmo calling in. We always have a good amount of callers here. But coming into next week, we'll touch more on Mike Rice and this 12-year-old girls thing. We'll talk about more about the Masters with Adam Scott winning, Tiger Woods, the Miami Heat now looking to capitalize without Kobe Bryant, and more Detroit Tigers news. I'm Alex Shaw. I'll be with you same time next week on the Spartan Sports Wrap. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.